Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. What age would you say you become a grown-up? If you had to think about it and you had to pinpoint an age, like in your life even, like when would you say, well, this is the age that I officially became a grown-up? You know, we look at, and maybe you're like me, and I'm like, I'm still waiting on that age. I don't know when it's going to be. But a lot of us, you know, when you look at, like, our growth and what it means to be grown up, there's, like, different age, like, you think 18 years old. Is that an age? Or 21 or 40 years old. Um, Next week, we have the opportunity to uh, celebrate our seniors uh, graduating. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to Jacob Early's. Uh, graduation a party and his 18th birthday party yesterday and I remember Jacob when he was like this and now Jacob's like this and uh, just seeing all these guys grow up and another one is Ethan Van Buskirk who I just found out uh, came back from boot camp he graduated and is now a marine you know <laughs> you know seeing these guys grow up you know it is amazing to see that. You know, when I was younger, I would look at high schoolers and I'd think, man, they are, they are grown up. They are, they are so big and grown up. And then I got to high school and I'm like, okay, I'm not that grown up. And then you look at people in college and say, man, they are grown up. And then you look at older people and like, man, they are, they are grown up. But no, it, it happens. We need to all grow up. And when we talk about growing up, what does it mean? It's like growing in maturity, is what we're talking about. So as we grow, we learn. Now, when I went to school, my report card always said this, and I don't know if you can relate to this. It says, uh, Brian doesn't apply himself. It's like, Brian is smart, but he doesn't really try. Like, and I don't know if you had that same kind of report card. And, but as we grow, we learn. And I remember in fourth grade, science fair, um, one of the great experiences of my life that shows that as you grow, you learn. So fourth grade uh, science fair, I did not prepare for it all. I wasn't. I waited till like the night before, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, I know what I'll do. I love electricity. That's pretty cool. Maybe I'll do that. So I went and I got this one big battery, and I put two wires on it, and, uh, and I scraped the wires together, and it made sparks. Like that was the whole experiment. And it's like, wow, electricity. So I went to and had the science fair, and I remember that there was uh, – Judges coming by to judge, and I, you know, showed them the sparks and talked about electricity. And then uh, at the end of it, they asked me a question. And they said, well, who invented electricity? And I stood there for a moment. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know this. And then I thought, oh, I do know. It is George Washington, as was my answer. And I, to this day, like, I remember that because I remember the, the, two ki- the two other students on both sides laughing out loud at my answer. So knowing that, so then grades five and grade six, I'm like, okay, well, this time I'm going to come back and I'm going to learn. And that's how I grew. And I actually got a ribbon fifth and sixth grade because I prepared in what I was doing. I grew in my knowledge and I prepared. And that was growing in my maturity. So when you think about our faith, do you think about how you're growing and how old you are in your faith? Um, I remember when I turned 13. So when I turned 13, my 13-year-old birthday party was at my dad's, my dad's house. And um, my grandmother, my dad's mom, stepmom, 
was there, and she was just a wonderful lady, very caring, very sweet, and she was very strong in her faith. And it was just me and her standing in the kitchen on my 13th birthday party, and I was so proud to be 13, and I looked over at her and I said, you know, Grandma, I'm just so happy to reach the age of adultery. <laughs> and, I, and I said that to her with, like, full confidence, and I've never, she, she laughed so hard. You've never seen an older woman laugh so hard. And, like, she went out to tell the rest of the family, and I remember that because I was trying to sound like I knew what I was talking about, and I had no idea what I was talking about. Um, but as we grow, right, I didn't become a, a Christian until I surrendered my life when I was 24 years old. But I didn't start growing until I was 40 years old. That is 16 years of being a baby, a baby Christian. And I look at that time and I'm like, why, why didn't I grow? What wasn't I doing during all that time? Well, I wasn't digging deeper. I wasn't getting into God's word. I wasn't like maturing in a way that I should have been doing. As believers, how do we grow in our knowledge and faith? Um, I've been blessed to be able to be a pastor and to study, teach, and preach. And as a pastor, I want you guys to be able to grow in your faith. That is our goal. That is why we do what we do. Now, there has been a huge shift in our church over the past 20 years. Uh, our church was actually founded on the, like a seeker-friendly model, if, if you know what that is. That was uh, big at that time, and it was what it was was to attract people in. What you would do is you would cover topics, or you would, you would use Scripture, and I believe God blessed us in that time as we taught this way, but we weren't diving in like we are today. Today we expositorily preach. That means we go word by word, line by line through the Bible, and we dig in to learn together. Then that is how we grow, studying God's word uh, through the teaching of the text. And that is so important in what we do. Uh, so the text today is actually a warning or an admonishment to these people, um, to these uh, believers, to their lack of knowledge and growth. So we can actually look at this and we can learn, well, where are we in this? Um, and that's what I want you to kind of evaluate yourself and what your spiritual age is. So just to review just a little bit, um, we're in the book of Hebrews, and we don't know who the author is. It could be Paul, it could be Barnabas, we're not sure. But the mystery there is that we focus on the text. God made it a mystery, so we don't know who wrote it. But let's focus on the text, and the focus is the supremacy of Jesus and who he is. Now, we don't know who the book was written to either, um, only that is written to people uh, educated about the Old Testament, because over and over again, the author keeps referencing back to the Old Testament scriptures. So these are Jewish Christians who are falling back into like rituals and the practices and are losing focus on who Jesus is. And that is what this book is all about. Jesus is superior. And we have seen that he is more superior than what? The angels. He is more superior than Moses. He's more superior than the rituals and religions and last week, we studied he's more superior than what? Any earthly priest. He is superior. He is the great high priest. Now, we talked about, we compared the earthly high priest, right? And it was Aaron. And then we also talked about Melchizedek. Now, the author mentions this, but he's going to be talking about it later uh, in the upcoming weeks. So why does he stop there? Well, this is why he stops, because he mentions this, and then he realizes, well, they may not understand exactly what I'm talking about here. Why? Because they have not grown spiritually. So what is our 
uh, big idea this week. Our big idea is this. Growth and spiritual maturity is necessary for the believer. Growth and spiritual maturity is necessary for the believer. This is a fact. We must be growing as believers. And we'll see in today's text why that is so. God expects us to grow in our spiritual formation. So I want you to evaluate that today. I want you to do a little test on yourself. Like where, where am I? What age do I think I am when I look at myself? You can have gray hair and still be a baby. Like think about that for a second. It doesn't matter your physical age, your spiritual age aren't the same. Each of us are at different ages, but we need to grow. So let's see what we can learn from the text today. So we'll start in verse 11. Verse 11 says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. All right, so right away the author here, this is where he stops, because he was just talking about Melchizedek and Jesus being the great high priest. And he says, About this, that is what he's talking about, we have much to say. This is something that is very important. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Um, So we have much to say. It is important and is not easy to understand for them. Why is it not easy for them to understand? Because they have become what? Dull of hearing. So dull. When you think of dull, what do you think of? You think of, well, the first thing that popped in my mind was like a knife. You either have a sharp knife or you have a dull knife. The dull knife, what is not, is useless compared to a sharp knife, which is what it's made for. But dull is like spiritual uh, lethargy. It's just like not longing to try. They're not trying with their faith. So what can we see here about our spiritual maturity and growth? Our first thing today is growth means hearing. Growth means hearing. So we must have ears to hear. It makes sense, right? If we're going to grow, if we're going to learn, we have to hear it. That makes perfect sense. Romans 10, 17 says this about hearing. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We must hear to learn. That is how we understand the gospel. We have to hear. But this is not a problem with their hearing, per se. They're not deaf, right? They don't have a hearing problem. They have a heart problem is where the, where the problem lies. So if you think of open ears, it's sharp, better equipped, Dull ears, they are unteachable. They're too lazy. They have become indifferent to the scriptures. They don't care. They just don't care. I thought of the saying uh, this week, not the sharpest tool in the shed. And that is exactly what this means here. So they're not sharp. And actually, the word translated dull is actually translated to mentally slow or stupid is actually uh, how it's translated. And in our house, that's a bad word. You can't say stupid. We don't say stupid. But you can say they're dull of hearing if you want to. So one thing to notice, but it says that they became dull of hearing. So they weren't always dull of hearing. They became that way. So originally they were earnest. They were zealous about the scriptures. But now they have become dull of hearing. So why is this bad? So if we look at 2 Peter, it says this in 3.15 and 16. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in, in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, 
which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So we see here that Peter is actually being very frank when he talks about Paul. And what is he saying? He's saying sometimes when he writes, and we can relate to this, sometimes when he writes, it's hard to understand. We have to go to a commentary. We have to break it down. So what is he saying here? There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable, so the people who dull of hearing, the ignorant and unstable, twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. We see that this is a dangerous thing to be twisting the sculptures or the scriptures. And why do you twist the scriptures? Because you don't have the knowledge and you don't understand. So we want to grow in knowledge to understand the scriptures so we don't twist them, so we apply them correctly in the correct context. So we must guard against false doctrine. But if we are ignorant, if we are dull of hearing, we can't guard against that. We will not understand truth. So I would ask, where are you today? Have you become indifferent? Because if you are indifferent, if you're like, well, you know, I don't really read the Bible. You know, I I appreciate you guys teaching, but I don't want to dive in. I don't want to read it. If you've become indifferent, then you have become unteachable. And you cannot become unteachable. We must grow by hearing. We must grow by hearing. All right, let's go on. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So he starts out, by this time. So by this time, what should be happening? They should be further along in their faith, is what he is saying. More mature in their faith. And even ought to be teachers. So what does this mean that they ought to be teachers? Does this mean like a professional teacher that they should be? No, it's talking about a general teaching from all Christians that should be passing information to each other. And what is that? That is to make disciples. So what can we see here about our spiritual maturity and growth? Growth means discipleship. Growth means discipleship. And discipleship is not an easy thing. Like when you think about walking along somebody, helping them in their growth, that means you have to understand, and then you have to teach somebody else and help bring them along. And what does it say that they need? It says basic principles of the oracles of God. So what do those words mean? This is Old Testament teaching and scriptures. It's the basics is what he's talking about, the basics that they need to understand. If you look at 2 Timothy 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will, who will be able to teach others also. Now we look at there and we see that what does that mean? What is, What is he saying to Timothy? Now, when you look at Timothy, the book of Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a young guy, a young pastor. So he is encouraging him. So he is teaching him. So he is saying there, the stuff that I have taught you, entrust to faithful men. So you teach them. And then what happens? Who will be able to teach others also? Do you see? That is discipleship as he goes on in what he is teaching. 
Unfortunately, without maturity, there's no discipleship. They should be passing on what they know to others. Now, there's a comparison here between milk and solid food. And I, I love this description because it's, it really helps us to understand where we are in our learning and uh, how we apply it to our lives. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2 says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of, of, of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready. So you see this principle as milk is the basic principles. And he talks about that here is fed you with milk, not solid food, because what? You were not ready for it. You needed the basics. You needed the milk as you grew up in, for an infant in Christ. So as we go on here, let's see what the milk means in the next verse. Verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. Now, we look at that verse, and it's, it's talking about they have only lived on milk and what? Are unskilled. That they are unskilled. So that means they're not able to do something. They don't possess a skill to do something. So what is he talking about there? So when you think of milk, what do you think? That's maturity as what? An infant, a baby, a child. We see that all through Scripture. So they're unskilled in what? The word of righteousness. The word of righteousness. And when you think about what the word of righteousness is, that's just another way to say the gospel, to be able to explain faith in the gospel. If you go to Romans 3.21 through 24, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There, Once again, we come to a verse by Paul, and sometimes what he says can be confusing. But if we break this down, what is he talking about? He is laying out the good news. It is the gospel of Jesus. And what does he say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us is born into sin. We are all in need of salvation. Right? And there's only one way for us to have salvation. Can't do it on our own. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's by the grace of God through Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice, who died on the cross, that paid our sin debt, that we could have righteousness. That is the gospel. But we got to surrender to him and make him Lord. So the word of righteousness is what? The gospel is the gospel. So what can we see about our spiritual growth here? Growth means knowing the gospel. Growth means knowing the gospel. We need to grow up, each and every one of us. Babies need milk. But if you think about a baby, they need much more than just milk, right? So what does a baby need? A baby needs fed. A baby needs held. A baby needs changed. All of these things A baby needs, why? Because they can't take care of themselves. They need somebody else to take care of them. So I want you to think about your faith for a minute. So how is your faith? Do you need somebody to take care of you, to feed you, to do everything for you? Or are you starting to grow in your faith and starting to grow up? Babies need milk. If we look at 1 Peter 
chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. I like how Peter writes this. He says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Once again, using the same imagery, talking about this milk that we need, that's the basics, but we need to grow up into salvation. So do you long for that spiritual milk? Because by it you may grow up into salvation. But I would ask you, are you skilled in the gospel? So ask about being skilled. So what does that mean? So think about this for a second. Being skilled in the gospel means having a skill. So what is the skill in the gospel? That means, first of all, understanding the gospel. Do you have a clear understanding of what the gospel is and what Jesus did, first of all? Number two, can you explain the gospel? That means if somebody comes up and asks you, so tell me about your faith. Do you go to church? Yes, I go to church. Well, tell me. So tell me about Jesus. Well, can you explain the gospel? And the last one is, do you live the gospel? All of these things, I think, are being skilled in the gospel. If you have received grace, if you've received forgiveness, then you will have grace and forgiveness for others. You will follow and be obedient to what Jesus commands. That is living the gospel. So are you skilled in it? I hope that you are skilled in it. Understand it, explain it, and live it. We need to move from milk to solid food, but it takes growth. We don't give steak to a one-year-old. And I don't know, maybe you have. Maybe some dads have given steaks to one-year-old. I made a horrible mistake. So one of my sons, uh, Isaac, um, actually, when he was just a baby, he was in a high chair, actually. And, um, <laughs> and so I, I'm like, I have ham. Who doesn't love ham? Even babies should love ham, right? So I give him chunks of ham on, the, on, the, on his uh, high chair and just let him just start grabbing and going to town. And he's loving it. And I'm like, I'm a great dad. Look at him. He's loving the ham. <clears throat> and then I turn away, and, it, and just a few moments later, I turn back, and he's actually changing color. Like, there is, it's stuck in his throat, and he is changing color. And I'm like, I'm a terrible. So I pick him up, and I'm slapping him, and then I have to get my finger in his mouth to get the ham out. That was a terrible idea. Do not give a baby ham. In the same way, you don't give solid food to infants. If you, you need the basics, but then you need to grow up. You need to grow up. All right, let, next see what the writer says about solid food. So let's go on. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, solid food is for who, according to the scripture? It is for the mature. So what does it mean by mature? So if you translate mature, that means perfect or complete. It's actually talking about like perfected in Christ is what he's talking about. Um, if we look at Ephesians, this is an example of that. Ephesians 4, 13 through 14. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So stop right there for a second. So he's talking about coming together in unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, right, to what? To mature manhood, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the what? Fullness of Christ. It's that completeness, right? It's being perfect in Christ. Verse 14, so that we 
may no longer be children, so we must grow up, no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Now we see here, this is the reason why we need to grow up. Why? So that we won't be tossed to and fro. Being tossed to and fro by the waves of what? If you don't know doctrine and you don't know scripture, you're going to be tossed to and fro. You'll be like, somebody will say this, and you'll be like, okay, well, that sounds good. I think that sounds right because you said it. And then somebody will say this over here, and you'll be like, okay, well, that sounds right to me too. I guess this is right. I'll just follow along. Like tossed to and fro because you are not growing in your knowledge. You have to mature. Now, if we look there, it says, uh, have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's the last part of verse 14. So we look at have their powers of discernment. So the powers of discernment is what? Being able to decide what's right and wrong, to be able to discern something. So have that power trained by constant what? Practice. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it over and over again. That is the practice and you need to be training. So what is the next thing we see here? Growth means practicing faith. Growth means practicing faith. When you practice, so what do you do when you practice? If you played sports, I played very minimal sports when I was younger. I played baseball for one year, my freshman year in high school, and I was terrible. I was just terrible. But I did not practice. I did not practice at all. And I look back and I think, well, maybe if I spent time and I practiced and worked over and over again, I could build up that skill and then I could be a good baseball player, right? Or if you think another way, a musical instrument. How many of you guys play musical instruments? When I was younger, I played the piano and I played the violin. And I practiced piano very much. And so I had a teacher who said, well, I want you to teach younger kids. So I became a, I was a teenager teaching young kids how to play piano. But I did not continue that. I did not practice. And now I can tinker a little with a piano, but I am no Desiree on a piano. Same with the violin. I used to, I played the violin for many years. And I look back now and I wish I would have practiced that violin. Why? Because I would have grown in my talent of that and I could play it today. Now I have not done that. I've become dull in my hearing to that, right? I have not practiced. So growth means practicing faith. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ, Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. There, once again, being trained, talking about the idea of being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed have nothing to do with the irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Paul, over and over again in his text, in his scriptures, in his letters that he writes, talks about this idea of practicing and races and competition And this is one of those things that he is talking about. And he mentions here that while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. How do we practice? How do we practice our faith? We have to be disciplined to what? Read the word. We have to understand doctrine. We cannot practice without this. This is what we need to practice with. We need to be in God's word. 
And what does it say? This is how we distinguish good from evil, right? If you are living and saturating yourself in God's word, it will help you to see in your life good from evil. It will help you make decisions on what you do based on the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit because that scripture will be right here. If you think about James, if the, the book of James talks about what? Being slow to speak. Slow to speak, right? It's talking about anger in that. Now, if you're a person, you're saturated with word, and you've read that, studied that, and studied James, and you understand that, when you get to a place where you are like, oh, like I'm going to say something right now, and I'm going to regret it because I am angry. Well, if you have practiced and you're practicing your faith, you stop. Okay, this is what Scripture's telling me. I've got to be slow to speak, so I'm going to be slow to speak. That is a practical way to practice your faith. But you've got to be saturated in the Scripture. It's got to be able to, the Holy Spirit's got to use it. But you've got to know it, and you've got to hear it. All right, let's go on. Let's move to chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith towards God and of of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So we see here at the beginning of chapter 6 that the author here is laying out a list of different things. And they're actually paired two by two by two. So what is he talking about here and when he lays these things out? And what is he referencing to? So first he says, therefore. So basically... We must grow in maturity, therefore, here's what we must do. So that's what the therefore is there. So what is he saying we must do? Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So there's something to leave, right? Leave elementary doctrine and go on to maturity. So when we look at this, what does it mean to go on in maturity? And what does this list mean? So What can we see here about our spiritual growth? We see here that growth means digging deeper. Growth means digging deeper. The spiritual child must leave elementary doctrine, right? Must leave the milk, and he must go on to maturity, the solid food. Now, the translation there is actually, the go on is actually, let us be carried on, which I I love when you... When you hear that, when you find out something like that, that's a passive verb. So that means let us be carried on. It's more like the idea of yielding, yielding your will and being carried on. We see in Philippians 3, 12 and 14, through 14, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We see there again, that is Paul's illustration talking about uh, going forward. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward for what lies ahead. Press on towards the goal, right? We see that we need to dig deeper. We need to dig deeper. When we look at elementary doctrine, what, what is it talking about to leave behind here? What is the author saying? <clears throat> so there's three pairs of things mentioned. I'll break these down just a little bit to help us understand. So three pairs of things mentioned. The first thing is repentance from dead works, that's one, and faith in God. So they paired those together. 
Now, when we look at that, what does that mean? Repentance from dead works, that means repenting. It's also the dead works is basically talking about not doing it, not having your heart right. So repentance from dead works and then having faith in God, right? Those are important. That is important. Number two, instructions about washing and laying on of hands. Now, these are rituals, basically, Jewish rituals that you're talking about. Washing, it's like a cleansing that they would do. This is not talking about, like, baptism like we know it, like our Christian baptism. This is talking about rituals that they do and the laying on of hands. Number three, resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. Now, these are talking about end times, like what is going to happen, resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. Now, when you look at this three pair of things and put together, what are these are the basics uh, of both Christianity that they know, but also Judaism. So they fit into both categories. But what do you see missing in these three categories? There is nothing about Jesus. There is nothing about Jesus in here. It says, not laying again the foundation. These are the foundation is what he's saying. You don't need to lay it again. These were Jewish beliefs and practices used as the foundation on which to build Christian truth. These things were common ground between Christians and and the Jews. But it was a safe place for them to retreat back to. And that's what he's saying. You need to move on from this. And now we're talking about the supremacy of Jesus over here. Right? This is where we need to get to. This is the maturity. So this was his call to go on to maturity. They need to dig deeper to understand Christian faith. So we see that for us to go on to maturity, well, what do we need to do? We must grow in the knowledge of the word of God, right? That is our, that is our plan. That is why we meet together. That is why you're sitting here right now. 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17 sums this up so well. I had somebody after first service uh, tell me this. They're like, everyone should memorize this scripture because what? It sums it all up. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now they're talking about the, the sacred writings, right? The scripture that he has known since he's a child. Is able, it's helped him to be wise, right? He has learned wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is such an essential thing in our life. Right? It's profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training. That we may be complete and equipped for what? Every good work. We need to bring it back to the text, back to the sufficiency of Scripture. But we must dig deeper to grow. We have to make that commitment. We've got to dig deeper to grow. You cannot grow and stay where you are in your studies. You have to dig deeper. So I'd ask, are you digging deeper? Is that something that you are actually doing on a daily basis or a weekly basis, committed to understanding Scripture better so you don't get tossed to and fro, but you have a strong um, understanding of your faith and of the text? Because what? You'll be complete, equipped for what? Every good work. 
It equips us. All right, let's look at the last verse, 6-3. And this we will do if God permits. And this we will do if God permits. So what is this? And this we will do if God permits. This is the growing in maturity. This is everything that he has just talked about. And we will do this, what? If God permits. Now notice there, he uses we. So he's not, I think that's a nice detail to look at. He's not like saying you, you, you. You, you, and you, and you, you guys stink. So you need to do this. No, he's saying, no, this is something that we can do if God permits. So what do we see here about our spiritual maturity and growth? Growth means trusting God. Growth means trusting God. We have to trust him. So many times, trust is such a hard thing for us. Why? Because we want to be in control. And we are under this, like, illusion that we, like, have control, but we need to understand we trust him, we let go of that control, and we surrender everything to him. That means trusting him. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see there, the key there that he's talking about in Philippians is what? They have always obeyed. That means they've surrendered. They have obeyed in what they have doing. And what happened? They worked out their own salvation with fear and trembling. And so God works in you both to will and to work for what? His good pleasure. That's such a beautiful thing. I want to give you two more scripture uh, references here, one from Proverbs and one from Psalms that I hope are encouraging to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. What a beautiful promise. That text right there should be committed to memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's what we want to do. We want to lean on what we want. We want to lean on our understanding, what we think is the right thing to do. But it says lean not. Do not lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. What a promise. What a promise there. Psalm 37, 4 through 6. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now, I like to bring up this psalm because this is a psalm that people get tossed to and fro with. And what do I mean by that? People don't understand the context of what is being saying here, so they twist it, right, for their own destruction. A lot of times people look at this and say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your hearts, okay? Well, Lord, I love you. I love you so much and I want a big pickup truck, please. That is the one thing that I've wanted for so long and I love you, so that is what I want. So you in scripture have told me that I will get the desires of my heart. No, that is not what that is saying. And unfortunately, people do twist it to mean that. What it is saying there is you delight yourself in the Lord. When you delight yourself in the Lord, what happens? Your heart moves to what the Lord wants. Your desires shift to be the same as his will. 
Trusting God brings your desires to his will. I think that's such a, a great thought there. Trusting God brings your desires to his will. Do you trust him with every area of your life? I mean every area. That means work, that means family, that means relationships, how you parent, everything. It means your money. Or you're like, well, no, I give him these things. I'll ask about these things, please. But over here, I got this covered. These are, you know, I'll take care of this. No, it's everything. Trust him with everything. So the author of Hebrews has used, has issued a warning, basically, to these people. It's a rebuke to the indifference that they have, right? They're lazy, the dullness of their ears, the dullness of their hearing. And what? He's saying, you must grow up. You must grow up. So growth means what? Hearing. That means hearing what? With zeal, not dull ears. It means listening. Growth means discipleship. That means walking alongside of each other. That means coming under the teaching of somebody else, but then also what? Teaching someone else what you've learned. That is discipleship. And discipleship can be messy because it's not always easy when you're walking with somebody through life. When, when things go wrong, life is not perfect, but you've got to be willing to disciple them and to walk with them through that. So growth means discipleship, learning and teaching. Growth means understanding the gospel, a clear understanding of the gospel, and being able to tell somebody else the gospel and then to live the gospel. Growth means practicing your faith. That means read and discern, practice. And growth means digging deeper. That means you've got to dive in. You have to. And finally, growth means to what? Trust God in everything. Trust God in everything. So what's our next step? Our next step today is commit to grow in Christ. Commit to grow in Christ. We need to grow up. So our next step is what? Commit to that. Commit to grow in him. And what does that mean? First, that means surrendering to him. Understanding that we all are in need of salvation. And if you're here today and you're like, okay, you've been talking about Jesus, but I'm not quite sure. What does it mean to surrender? Well, you have to understand that you're a sinner, right? And that you were born into sin. And each and every one of us needs salvation. And there's only one way that we can get salvation. And is that through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus who paid for our sin debt. The wrath that we deserve, he paid the debt. And now what? We get righteousness that we don't deserve. But we have to surrender to him. That means Making him Lord. So when we talk about Lord, a lot of times we'll say that he's, well, he's the Lord. He's my Lord. And we'll use that word. But do you stop and think about it? What does that actually mean? That means Lord of your life. That means he is in charge of it. So I would ask, is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? So we must grow in our walk with Christ. That means spiritual disciplines. That means reading, studying, praying. I was very, this, over the past couple months, um, I've had the opportunity to meet with a family. I have very young children. And the father has asked, like, how, how, I don't know. They're just like, what? they're like running all over the place and they won't sit still. Like, how? What do I do here? And so we went to the bookstore and we got a, uh, a devotional book. 
and basically has one page for each day. And each one, it has a question, and then it has a scripture text to read through, and then it has like some questions, and each question has an answer, which is very helpful for parents. So it has an answer on there, so you can uh, look smart when you reply, when you say, here's the question, now here's the answer. And we, I said, here, take this. And like at dinner time, when you guys come together, this is a good time to, to pray and to go through this, because everybody's together. So he has been faithfully doing that. So weeks go by, and he comes back, and he's like, it's, he's like, it's not working. It's like, it's not working. They're not, they won't sit still, and they're not listening, and I feel like I'm just doing it. And we're like, just be obedient. Just be obedient. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Well, then one time, they didn't do it, right? They just either forgot or they were busy, and the kids were like, whoa, wait, what? Wait, aren't we going to do our Devo tonight? And I'm like, that's it. They want it. They have to learn it, and they grow into it. So although it may seem hard to do these things, we have to be committed to it. That means reading, studying, praying, and that means together as a family. That's why we're committed to expository preaching and learning together. You know, we talked about that we want to teach and have classes together, and I think that is such an important thing to do. And we look at discipleship, all of these things. These are things for men to do and for women to do. You should be discipling others. You should be discipling others in what you do. You should be learning and then teaching others, all right? All right. So that is discipleship, and that is how we grow as a church, as we grow together as a church. Uh, I want to leave you with this. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I love the way Paul puts this here. And the life I now live in the flesh. So that is all of us right now. The life that we live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? Die to myself. Come under his authority. Surrender to him. We must die to ourselves and live by faith in the Son of God. Commit to grow to him. That's my plea today. We need to grow up. Each and every one of us will continue to grow. And I want us to grow together. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your word and that we can learn from it. And Father, as we continue to grow in knowledge, we just pray that you give us direction by the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to teach others, to disciple others, and continue to grow together as a church body. Father, we do not want to have dull ears, dull hearing, but we want to be willingly wanting and yearning to learn from your word, Father, and we want to be able to apply it to our lives so that we can have discernment and we can practice these things in our each and every each and every day. So Father, I just pray that you continue to give us that wisdom and just praise you for today and the time that we've had together today. So Father, we love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.